Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. All right, let's celebrate. We needed a win and we pasted Panama. And now, unless we lose by six goals to Costa Rica, we will have qualified for the 2022 World Cup. What a wonderful day in American soccer it was yesterday. Greg, how are you doing? I'm all right. Yes, we are one formality of a soccer match away from a nine-month party. It it almost hasn't totally sunk in, you know, how badly I wanted this, and now it's here. <laughs> um, it's been a journey. Yeah, sure has. It's I think fair to say. I think you used the words "dreamlike" earlier when we were talking on the phone to to, to describe the game itself, and um, and we can get into that. We will get into that. But um, I do. I will say it was just a perfect night in Orlando. Warm, breezy, cool in the evening. And um, I, I before we go any further, I do want to thank everyone who came out to play pickup soccer and tailgate. We had a marvelous time, and three people in particular I want to thank: Nate from Oregon. He just did a lot of little things that helped that whole thing come off smoothly. And um, Nick from DC for bringing eighty hot dogs, even though he said he felt like. <laughs> He felt like an insane person checking out at the grocery store. And then, um, and then Dave, the firefighter from Dallas, who, who I met and then immediately asked to cook the hot dogs. And then he cooked all the hot dogs for everybody. So <laughs> uh, there are many, many more people to thank, but that would get kind of boring. But I, I wanted to mention those three guys and, uh, it was a great day. It was a great day in, uh, Orlando for sure. Yeah. Well, well done bells. Well done. Everybody who, who had a part to play in that. Uh, it meant a lot to me just to see that soccer game happening that morning uh, at the futsal court. I was really just, it just brought a lot of joy, uh, tons of expected joy, tons of actual joy to see, to see that game actually happening. And I want to make it a real, a, like a tradition for all, uh, all U.S. men's national team windows. We should do that, honestly. Um, and we, I should also mention, you know, Charlie Bohm was there, Paul Tenorio and Sam Stayskull, Taylor Rockwell, and what a handsome man Taylor Rockwell is. So handsome, and we did we did miss you, Greg. So we should we, we got to do that for some summer friendlies. Give me uh, give me the G plus on on all those uh, on all those media guys. Who who uh, uh, who racked up the highest G plus? Ah, uh, boy, I I don't know. I mean, Stasco scored a goal. Charlie was sneaky sneaky good. He had this one chance on goal where he 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 did the little like the little feint to to make the keeper sit down. And then took his shot. He didn't finish it, but you know that was like a that's kind of like a high level moment of attacking calm and quality. And he was also a really high energy in the press. Look, all that other white noise. Just I'm drowning it out. Sam scored the goal. He gets the he he wins. That's how it works, right? No, I mean I was trying to come up with a more sophisticated uh, metric. No goals drive the narrative. We're gonna we're gonna get into that in the next. 30 minutes. Yeah, let's do it. So, and I also just should say, got to meet Jay Hernandez and tactical manager. That was, that was really fun for me. And, um, tactical manager was making like a vlog of the day. And, uh, and he was really, he really wants to meet Bob Morocco. He was convinced that Bob Morocco was somewhere at the tailgate. <laughs> and I, I had to tell him, no, he's not here. Um, so to the game, to the soccer game, should we start with the lineups? Yes, we're we're talking about the United States soccer game now, right? Yeah, yeah, the 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 important one. Yeah. <laughs> the more important one. Uh so in 
for the U.S., the lineup was Stefan and Goal, uh, Shaq Moore, Miles Robinson, and uh, Walker Zimmerman, and Jedi Robinson across the back line. Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa, and Luca De La Torre in the midfield. Ariola, Ferreira, and Pulisic up top. So not a ton of rotation here. Uh, Shaq Moore obviously in for the suspended Yedlin. Uh, he'd just flown in from Tenerife like a couple of days before. A uh, very quick turnaround for him to just jump into a the most important match of the cycle. Uh, Miles Zim, Jedi, and Stefan all repeat starters from the Azteca. Adams and Musa in midfield repeat starters. De La Torre in for uh, um, for Kellen Acosta, who's rotated out, and then right. Ariola in for the sus- suspended Tim Weah. And it was Ferreira for Pepe as a as a coach's choice, and then Pulisic repeat starter from Azteca. The only, I guess, the only thing that I maybe didn't like about it was Reina not starting. But if it wasn't going to be Reina, I, I think Ariola is the right choice. And maybe was there something about Reina having a, a stomach illness or uh, several players having a stomach? I don't know. Whatever it was, that was mentioned. But also just the fact that you know, just because Reina played ninety minutes for for Dortmund before the break doesn't mean that he's just magically like always 90 minutes fit. So he played 90 minutes there, but then he had to fly across the the ocean to Houston. Then he had to fly to Mexico city and then play a game and then fly to Orlando. So it's not like he just can always be counted on to do it because he did it once. There could be plenty of good reasons to uh, bring him back in on a limited basis. Yeah. And you know, the way I see it is if, if, if he can start on, Wednesday against Costa Rica, and maybe he can't. But if he can, then it's you know this is all coming up roses. All the decisions, really. Um, I'll give the Panama lineup. Uh, I guess I was also a little surprised Pulisic just came right back into the starting lineup, and then he went you know most of the game. Did he? He go eighty minutes, seventy five. Yeah, I think he was a seventy minute sub. I'm in a parking where, where lot. Where are you? Can, can we also? I was going to say, can we just establish where you are in the, in America right now? I'm in a parking lot south, off the interstate south of Atlanta, and uh, a big food truck just pulled up, and it looks like it's going to be here for a while. So maybe we should, maybe I should move, change locations. No, no. I want to, I want to conduct the podcast. I would like you to place an order while we are recording. <laughs> I'd it's like a, it's not that kind of food truck. Vocals. It's like a truck full of food that's ah, dropping, dropping it off at Chick Fil A. It's a completely different kind of truck. All right, give us the Panama lineup. Okay, Mejia and goal. Uh, Michael Murillo, uh, Escobar, uh, Andres Andrade, and Eric Davis across the back line. Godoy and Carasquilla in midfield, and then Barcenas, Quintero, and Gondola across the sort of band of three, and then Rolando Blackburn up top. And um, man, Eric Davis plays a nice left-footed ball, doesn't he? <laughs> Every he does. single one of his balls across is just has a lovely shape to it. We also we also punished Eric Davis for vacating the left back spot a couple of times, <laughs> not letting not letting you just give him a bunch of bunch of credit. Well, I fair fair fair. We did we did some punishing, um. I I listened to a bunch of podcasts on my drive today, uh, and I f- I feel like one thing I want to say is I don't think I think perhaps the the quality of the performance was less good than people are saying it was. 
I didn't know if you were going to have that have that takeaway as well, but I I also thought that. But I mean, it's just one of those things where the the stakes in, were extremely high, and the fact that we just blew the doors off on the scoreboard. Uh, I mean, that's going to overshadow everything else, and and it already that already happens. Like in any game where you score goals like this, everyone's everyone's like performance gets inflated, and I think the reason is because like just psychologically, like emotionally. It's impossible, I think, to to treat like individual actions the same way uh, if the game state's so different. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when it's zero, when it's zero zero, if Shaq Moore makes a mistake at zero zero in a game like this, that registers emotionally for people watching it. Like that, right? It, it like stings to see it happen when he makes a mistake at four zero when we're thirty minutes into the first half. Like it, it disappears instantly. Like you don't even you don't even think about it until until you're rewatching, just on like a player by player basis. And there were, we definitely had some nice some nice passages of play for sure. But through 20 minutes, uh, we're up one zero on just because Anibal Anibal Godoy is getting awful handsy. You know, I mean, what was he doing? Like why is know, why is he doing that? It was a gift, and, and I'll gladly take it. But I, I will again, just kind of go going back to the the overall sort of uh, uh, color of the of the narrative so far. Is I, I also I also think it makes sense just in that for this game in particular, like the outcome here was so important to the big picture of the campaign. Like it also makes sense to sort of have that be the the main focus and the fact that we, that this was the outcome and it was so convincing and so early. It was it was decided so early. Uh, I, I think it just makes sense to consider it just a like a fantastic performance in that sense. Yes, and so it I'm was not a lot. To like throw a wet throw a wet blanket on there and on anything. Like it was incredibly meaningful to have even like the good performance that we had, and then to have the score like be so dominantly one sided, even with given that performance. Like that is that's always going to be the story. Yeah, and it, and it kind of should be. Yeah. Well, I. I mean, a couple of podcasts, Allocation Disorder was talking about, was this the best performance of the Burhalter era? And Paul and Sam both seemed to think absolutely it was. And I was just sitting there thinking, eh, I think the, <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm going to agree with something Paul Tenorio said in the podcast too. But, but on this, I don't agree. I think, I think the win over Mexico was a better performance than this one. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's hard to put the Honduras game into any sort of category it's such a unicorn uh but the honduras away match the honduras home match oh okay yeah, yeah. so performance wise but i think that it's good that it's, it felt to me just like of a kind with our most recent home performances i thought it felt like honduras i thought it felt like el salvador and i think it's kind of the perfect study in reactions because the el salvador game was so nervy because it sat at zero zero for so long, even though we were just getting big chance after big chance after big chance. Uh, and this game was the exact opposite. We scored on like our first, I mean, we got the gift from Panama on the penalty. And then we scored this nothing half chance from Paul Ariola on our first real look at the goal. And then that's it. It's done and dusted. You know, from right then, nothing else is going to affect it. We're getting the result we needed. Did you watch, I'm sure you did, but the, the Carl Carpenter video on, the Carlin Carpenter video on uh, how we were pressing. Yeah. With our, with our, uh, the work, our front three were doing. Yes. So the idea is basically our, we our, our nine would drop behind the two wings. And then in general, we would try to trap the, you know, trap Panama in their buildup with the wings further ahead than the, than the striker. And I guess I, I wonder, is that, 
something that was that you think it's your sense that that's new from from this game or that's just kind of how we've been doing it i I think that's basically been the the burhalter approach since january 2020 from ferrera's first cap actually uh has been similar to that where uh it is so that pincher movement from the wings to get ahead of him and uh i, I remember somebody i think it might have been uh the canadian doyle uh basically just was calling it a, a diamond press and i was like oh yeah of course it's a diamond it's our, our nine drops almost to the point of a diamond in front of the mm. midfield three and then you have two ahead of him so it looks like a four four two diamond when we're pressing and i think that that you know either one of those makes sense i always think of it still as a front three i know when joe lowry breaks it down going all the way back to that 2020 january friendly he was calling it like a front three and a middle three carpenter was using front three language too that has basically been how we do it. Berhalter had mentioned when uh, when Pepe was going uh, a little bit AWOL in his pressing that we, we don't press with the striker. And he didn't mean the striker doesn't have any job or, or does any work. He yeah. just meant the striker doesn't go. Right, when the right, ball's right. upfield, the striker doesn't go press it. The, the striker sits back and denies passes into the midfield. Okay. Any other... Um... But it's, it's still a great explainer from Carlin and, and a great visualization of how that works. And it shows how how coordinated it has to be. Like you see that instant recognition and uh, coordinated movement from Ferreira to drop into the space vacated or shade to the space vacated by the pressing winger. And it goes into why it isn't going to be easy to just like, if you're a new striker who wants a shot, certainly not to just jump in in a short World Cup qualifying camp and be able to do that. Yeah, I guess that's that, that's, that was the discussion. That's something you said on the Discord earlier. And I, and I or somebody said that. And I think that's pretty interesting. Like, uh, maybe that helps explain P- why PFOC doesn't look so good in the press. Or there might be, there's probably other explanations for that too. But um, you do wonder if, like, how 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 central is that to the job? And can somebody who doesn't already know how to do that job learn it before the World Cup? Yeah, and I, I think they still could. I just don't think it could have happened like in a camp like this. And so PFOC. Uh, I think it'd be like one of the, I don't think he's necessarily looked bad in the press because when he has been in the games, we've never really been pressing. He played against Canada. That was his only start in the World Cup qualifying campaign. And Canada, we couldn't press Canada because they didn't want the ball. Right. And then his, his other appearance against Mexico was when we were basically done running as a team. So we weren't doing any pressing anyway. It was all just like thankless work that we were just lumping it up and he was kind of chasing. But it might have been the reason why we didn't start PFOC. That might have been the reason PFOC wasn't in the January camp because he didn't have as like much value to go into those games since we weren't going to be, we couldn't use him or rely on him as a pressing player, or at least why he wouldn't be a good candidate to start a match. Mm. Okay. All right. Any other, any other big picture thoughts before we get into the timeline? Let's do the timeline. Okay. I thought, uh, First 10 minutes or so, Panama were the better team. They, they were on the front foot. Uh, they, they definitely did not come to Orlando and sit back and you know, hope for a draw or something. They came to play. And uh, Garasquilla had that volley from outside of the box in the eighth minute. It, it looked definitely closer in real time than it did on the replay, but the, you know, it was kind of scary. And... Um, I don't know. That's all I've got for for the first you know few minutes of the game. It it was it was one of those scary ones because again, even though I was confident we are a much better team than than Panama, uh, 
like if we're going to lose to Panama, it's going to be on one of those like worldies, right? It's going to be on that kind of a strike where a guy just hits the shot of his life. Uh, and all you can do is go, oh my God, not again. So yeah. I was nervous. He, as, as he was winding up, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the shot that does it. He hit it sweetly. He did, it did go about five yards over the bar. Well, let's say two yards over the bar. But I do, I do, think, that, I do think that Panama edge was real. I feel like we were a little bit tight going in, like whether it was the, the pressure of the moment uh, combined with a little bit of uh, legginess from the Azteca. Uh, Anthony Robinson had a couple of really tough giveaways, sort of inexplicable, like no, un- unforced, it felt like, giveaways. And to me, that reads as, as just like your legs aren't quite behaving the way you're used to them behaving because maybe they're still coming down from 7,500 feet. Yeah. Yeah. No, he had, he had three pretty bad giveaways in the, in the opening stages of the game. And around 8.50, we get a good entry pass from Zimmerman to Ferreira, and he lays it off for more. Goes down in a challenge, but no foul is called. Just a slick little, a good entry pass, and then a, a slick little layoff from Ferreira. And that, that begins a, what I thought was a good little passage of play from the U.S. Moments later, Miles Robinson wins it back uh, just inside our half, just big brothering a guy. And then Ariola taps it wide to, to Shaq. Shaq back to Ariola. And then this is, this is, I noticed this on the replay. In this moment, the crowd starts to really um, sort of rise up as Sh- as Shaq passes it to Ariola, sort of in front of the goal, outside of the box, and then Ariola pl- plays it over to Pulisic. There's like a rising crescendo of noise in the stadium, and you know because it's Pulisic one v one with the guy. He's got this nice little. A- Everybody knows what AVPs are now, so the crowd is going crazy because <laughs> they're like Pulisic's got an AVP. AVP. I'm sure there was a giant <laughs> shout, like shout from the crowd. They chant that now. And his shot is blocked, but um, what happens next is it was discussed well, I think, by Paul Tenorio in their podcast. But Tyler Adams comes flying in to try to recover the ball, and um, and then he and you know he and Pulisic combines to win it back. Pulisic wins it back, and the crowd just exploded. Like everybody was super happy, and the they love the effort and the you know the fight there, and. You know, I, it did feel like a little moment in the game where that edge that Panama had was taken away. The U.S. players decided at that point, oh, we can get this crowd going if we just like, you know, try hard and do, not that they weren't trying hard before that, but you know what I mean? Let loose a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah the crowd, crowds love AVPs and they love recoveries <laughs> and they love, they love players going to ground. No, it was for, for as leggy as uh, uh, Jedi Robinson looked in the first 10 minutes. Like that there from Tyler Adams was like a statement of intent uh, on the legginess of his own legs. Like he was totally, he looked unaffected by the fact that he just went 60 minutes in Mexico City. Yeah, what a, what a champ he is. So then the, the, the next few minutes are just a bunch of set pieces. There's a Pulisic free kick that uh, nicks the wall and goes over after Ariola gets chopped down by Carasquilla. And then in the 13th minute on the ensuing corner, uh, Miles gets a little contact on it, flying at the near post, but not enough. And then Ferreira blasts it off a guy's shins into the side netting. And then, uh, I mean, Ferreira's just trying to zing it across the mixer. And then on the next corner, Zimmerman is fouled by Anibal Godoy. And play continues. And I, you know, I, sitting in the stadium, I thought 
uh, Eric Davis could have been whistled for a handball on that Shackmore cross shortly after that. But that apparently had nothing to do with what the ref was looking at. Because <laughs> because in, this, in the next stoppage, uh, VAR intervened and the ref awarded a penalty. Everybody went everybody went nuts and then Pulisic puts it in the, um, you know, hits it hard and high just left of the keeper and the keeper goes the wrong way. We're up one zero massive relief. Like that was, that was, uh, that felt like more, like more like relief than anything for me. It's totally the same here. And again, it just felt like a gift. Like what a, like it wasn't a situation where that needed to have happened. If you're Panama, uh, I don't. I don't buy anyone saying that it's a soft call. Like if you put your hands on somebody's face, uh, you're risking that. Like, I mean, that's that's by far the most notorious slap of somebody's face that happened that night, and it was just totally like, <laughs> just just so without need. So uh, I'm I'm glad that Zimmerman sold it. I'm glad that uh, Pulisic did his business. I'm glad that Ferreira uh, was savvy enough. I'm sure that was. Or like pre-planned, premeditated to have him take the ball and stand at the spot and absorb yeah. all the uh, gamesmanship. And there you have it. JJ Devaney on the um, on the cutoff side podcast called it uh, the penalty butler. <laughs> <laughs> he did the he played the role of the penalty butler because he yeah as a decoy and then um, and then hands the ball over to Pulisic right before the shot. And he did that both times, right? Were you were you uh, were you assuming that that's what was happening? Did you know? And no, I I uh, I was like, hmm, Ferreira's going to take the penalty. I didn't even that didn't even bother me. I was like, I'm sure he's going to make his penalty here. I, I was the same because for me, like the like the best player, the leader of a team, in no way needs to be your best penalty kick taker. <laughs> like if somebody's just an excellent penalty hitter, let them take it. I don't care where they are on the overall depth chart. But it ha- it had to have been pre-planned that because I mean the way Ferreira handed the ball off to him it was like uh, it was totally choreographed you know oh yeah for sure one hundred percent once we once like the exchange happened uh, that's that's that that's now a trend right we've we've seen it in a bunch of different places really I don't know I yeah, didn't know yeah that. there was a there was a big like Chelsea did it in the Club World Cup it was a big deal. Uh, somebody did like a 12 part <laughs> tweet thread about it. And I think it had been done, uh, maybe in South America, uh, this, like the half season before, I don't know, but I know Chelsea did it, uh, pretty famously now. It's not a, it's not a U.S. invention. Oh, dang it. Was, it. It was still well executed. Uh, in the, in the 20th minute, uh, we got a poor giveaway from Anthony and this leads to a pretty good, uh, Panama chance. So it's just a bad back pass. And, Barsness or no, or a bad square pass in our own third, and then Barsness crosses it to Blackburn. I think maybe Stefan got a fingertip to it. Did you? Could you tell? He did. He oh, did. he absolutely did. Okay. Yeah, uh, I can always jump in here since I had access to instant replay. Uh, I didn't realize that on first watch. So as soon as it happened, I was like, I'd already fired off my like uh, Stefan went walkabout again <laughs> uh, post. And then on the replay, it was like, no, he actually got a hand to it just ahead of Panama's head. So if he doesn't do that, it's probably a goal. Um, so big play by him. Yeah. And then I don't know if he was just like caught up with Zimmerman on the ground. And that's why he was so slow getting back into position or if he managed to tweak something while he was doing that. But he was incredibly slow to get back into any kind of like a defensive posture after that. 
Well, it gets, um, I mean, Zimmerman tries to clear it from a seated position and gets a little bit of a foot on it, and then, but it goes straight to a Panama player, and then Luca has to dive in and um, does just enough to put Michael Murillo's shot off, I think, and then it pings off of Shaq's leg back right into the goal mouth, and Miles clears it from there. So kind of scary, a little bit fortunate. Again, thinking about the kinds of goals that would knock us out of a World Cup, that one's up there. Yeah. 23rd minute, uh, a good long ball from Zimmerman into the channel for, for Pulisic, into the left channel, and he chases it down and corrals it and goes away from the goal, you know, dribbles away from the goal and drops it to Anthony. Probably gets fouled by Mario in the process. And then Anthony plays a good first-time cross into the area for uh, a player not known for his aerial prowess, Paul Areola, who rises and nods it far post, just honestly a towering header from a short guy and all of a sudden we're up 2-0 and it, do- it didn't at this point feel to me that we had played that well this is this is exactly what it is when when the god's variant smile on you like this is what it looks like because that that play that leads to Ariola's goal is not like an outstanding play or anything right we we do that fairly routinely uh Pulisic gets on that ball very well like that's good he gets it back to Anthony Robinson, who has some daylight to hit his cross. But it's like, I think it's two on four in the box. It's Ariola and Ferreira and maybe De La Torres in there. So it's not like we've got this excellent attacking position or any huge advantage to leverage into this chance. It's just like clipped in. It's a, you know, a decent inviting ball in from Anthony. But it's still just like when that ball leaves his feet, you're not putting your money on Paul Ariola to go up and get it. And so credit to him for timing it everything well. And even as he's about to head it, you're not like, oh, well, this is a sure goal. It's still a ton to do with the header. And it's just like it ends up being this kind of low percentage chance that gets converted. And now it now because it is converted, now we've been playing excellent. Now it's been like a transcendent opening to the game, even though performance wise, it's again, just looked very similar to our other home matches uh, from the past couple of windows. Yeah. I mean, that I'm was not a- trying. And again, I'm not trying to wet blanket this. I'm actually almost trying to say, like, we've been really good in our home games the past four home games. Yeah. Basically, the past six home games. And since Canada. Yeah. I mean, it was a wonderful goal. It was beautiful. It was a, it was a very good cross. You got to see that, that Ariola is a very good athlete and, like, the dude can jump. And then he, you know, he puts the header into an unstoppable spot. You know, that's not, that's a very high degree of difficulty header. And, uh, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think people who listen to the podcast know we're not wet blanketing anything. We're just, uh, (laughs) you know, getting in the weeds. I do think after that second goal, we did, we sort of, we turned the screws for a little while. Um, a long spell of possession, uh, in Panama's defensive third leads to our third goal. It started with another long ball to Ferreira. Um, so I'm, I guess I, that seemed a little new to me, us just like dumping it in the channel and trying to run onto it. Uh, like, it doesn't seem like we'd been doing it that, that much up to, up to now. No, this, that, that struck me as really a, a different approach because uh, it was kind of like not sustained pressure from Panama at all, but Panama like were pressuring us enough, pressuring us enough in that moment. I mean, with Panama having the ball, where we had like nine guys back, right? We win that ball in our box and someone just kind of helps it over to Paul Ariola just outside our box. 
and he looks up and there, he doesn't see anyone upfield except Jesus Ferreira with two center backs next to him. And he still just hits the ball up into that space, one mm-hmm. on two for Ferreira. So that wasn't like, that is a very different from that more deliberate approach that we tend to favor in those situations. Yeah. So like, all right, well, let's, let's build and get our big shape and, and see what we can do now, now that we have the ball. I mean, that was like, a, again, kind of a nothing situation to test Panama in. And again, credit, Ariola put the ball in a spot where Ferreira could go after it. And Ferreira used a little bit of speed and leverage to maintain possession. And suddenly it's 2v2 with Pulisic chasing on. Ferrer does such a good he did this a few times in the game but he does such a good job of waiting of like if he's up there by himself he always waits for attackers to join him before he and that's what he did in this case I think he played it he played it who did he play it across to he plays it across the middle to Pulisic who uh, plays it back to him and Ferrer tries a shot and it's blocked uh, but we, we we recover it almost immediately or maybe we do recover it immediately and then we just patiently work it around Panama's box maybe 14 I think it was 14 passes I heard until it comes to Luca De La Torre who is showing in a little pocket of space in zone 14 he plays a, a very nice little slipped pass in behind for Shaq Moore uh, Shaq Moore is you know racing in behind the Eric Davis who uh, you know deserves plenty of criticism in this podcast episode uh, alright alright but I gotta interrupt you now okay cause he didn't race in behind Eric Davis this was the beauty of the sequence was uh, we were we were moving the ball around so well on the right, on that right side with Shaq Moore and Yunus Musa uh, and uh, Paul Ariola, uh, And then even Tyler Adams was out there. So we had this little four man game and, and Panama had four. We were kind of rotating and it's, it felt like a little bit of like basketball uh, where you're, you're creating mismatches, right? You're, you're getting them to make switches. And so you, you create these uh, cre- do create these imbalances or you do disorganize the opponent because what ended up happening was at, through all our movement and passing, uh, Eric Davis wasn't his left back anymore. Gondola had, had sort of shifted back and now he's sitting in that left back spot. And, and this is the goal, right? You, you move them around enough that you get guys in unfamiliar positions making decisions that they're not like really trained on making. So after all that tidy little clean passing, uh, Luca De La Torre recognizes that he can jump in and add the fifth man and suddenly it's five on four and he gets it in that pocket and you're testing. Now you suddenly are putting a ton of pressure on their decision making and their spacing and Gondola falls asleep for just like half a second because he's not a left back. He's a left winger sitting in the left back spot. And that's when Shaq Moore recognizes it and he races behind. And that's that's the difference, right? I didn't realize that it was Gondola who got beat there. So, yeah, thanks. After the after the ball is slipped into Shaq, then he plays it to Ariola, as you guys have all seen. He turns and shoots, and the shot is deflected off. The defender deflects it back off of Ariola's shin, and then it just bounces straight to Jesus Ferreira, right in front of goal. He thrashes it in, and um, and you know trots over to the corner flag, pointing at the crest. Three zero. <laughs> and if it wasn't done at two zero, man, is it done at three zero? Yeah. It felt the game did feel over at that point. Um, so S- Stefan comes out to, I mean, and, and I, I mean, not to belabor the point, but there's a little bit of variance in that too. Like, you know, Ariel didn't mean to pass it to Jesus, uh, but it was a perfect, it was a perfectly weighted ball to his feet. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? It's one of those where the deflection actually benefits us in a huge way. If Ariola gets that shot off, it's probably a harmless shot from that angle with, you know, Ariola, he, he's not able to put that much behind it. And it's probably a, a nothing but because it gets deflected directly to Ferreira. Keeper reacts late, can't come for it. And now it's, it's the easiest finish in the world. Yeah. 0.8. Which doesn't mean that it is scored 100% of the time. 85% of the time. But it's still about the easiest finish you will get in a soccer game. Yeah. Um, 28, 29th minute, uh, Stefan has a little bit of a moment. He comes out to claim a cross and uh, drops it right in front of uh, Barcenas. And um, Barcenas, you know, is kind of Johnny on the spot, tries to, tries to shoot it under Stefan. And Stefan stops it with a pretty magnificent kick save it looked to me like uh in in slow motion and but you know he shouldn't be he shouldn't be coming out to claim a cross and dropping it in front of an attacker like that in my opinion no that's that's definitely a uh, mark against him and again so even though i was wrong about him going walk about and, and blowing that first uh situation he definitely did I don't, you, you don't even say this is going walk about he should have just comfortably caught this ball uh but he made a bit of a meal of it yeah and it's it's just you know it's something to to keep mind of, yeah. As we continue this, yeah, something to put in our little private caches of memories and biases. Um, decent chance for no. Okay, thirty uh, seventh minute, we get a good run and struggle dribble to borrow a term from Waki from Luca Della Torre to tilt the field, and I and then he played Anthony out on the wing. The cross is cut out. I mention it just to say that it's 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 nice to see that Dilatore doesn't seem to have any trouble with the physicality of international soccer, and um, is he's good. He's a good player. <laughs> he is, and I I do I I mean I love what we've seen from him so far. And I this this kind of I put Ferrer in the same boat because uh, both Ferrer and Dilatore have now had a little bit of added benefit of the only sample size we have of them is these home games against bottom half CONCACAF teams, right? So we, we're going to have to still wait to see, and I don't know when we will see this now, but like the Luca De La Torre performance curve could come crashing down. doesn't mean it will, but we, we just have to sort of take that into account that uh, Honduras is bad and he looked good against them, which is good. But, you know, Panama also is not actually that good. That's kind of the thing that I want to keep remembering is, they are the fifth ranked team in CONCACAF, and that's generally not considered uh, a great side. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they've played better soccer throughout the cycle than Costa Rica has, like, you know, beginning of the cycle to the end so far or to now. So just even a note on that. So can so I feel like uh, we have thought of Panama as that team throughout qualifying. But they've played Costa Rica twice. They've played Mexico twice. They've played Canada once. And out of those five games, so that's 15 available points, they have two points. Mm. They've, so they, they've tied Mexico once and they tied Costa Rica once. Uh, and that's it. They lost to Costa Rica, lost to Mexico, lost to Canada twice. I'm sorry, once, and they'll play Canada again. So they haven't really done good against the teams ahead of them other than us in, at home. And that's why they're the fifth-ranked team in CONCACAF right now. Table table doesn't lie in this situation. Well, and they lo- and they drew at home to Honduras, which was a, a really bad result for them. But I don't know. I think even that that game against Costa Rica, where they where they lost to Costa Rica, 
I don't. I have to look up the stats, but I, th- I feel like they got the better of the chances in that game. I'm not. I'm not trying to say totally disagree that they're and say they're like a really good team, but watching them play is not. You know, they got footballers on their team, and um, like there's a there's a pleasing rhythm to the way they play. I no. I don't know. I mean. They they might have they might have some of that like element like even El Salvador plays with that at times, but Panama didn't create much against us even in even in that win at home, uh, they weren't doing much to create in that uh, opening spell even when they had a little bit of an edge uh, in this game like they didn't get much until the until it was five zero and we had a case of the five zeros, but overall like I I don't know I just I'm not saying they're a terrible team, but they don't strike me as anything that was like particularly threatening or very good okay i can agree with that uh (laughs) there's a a decent chance for panama in the 41st minute when quintero pulls one back for godoy and he just scuffs it uh and puts it wide so up to that point a pretty uh not great night for godoy and it's start about to get worse it's about to get worse 42nd minute there was a ferrera jesus ferrera bike attempt and i I just want to check on you how did you how are you feeling <laughs> during that moment uh i'm gonna be harsh a little bit on my guy Ferrer here because like it was the correct decision to bicycle it and i always applaud a bicycle attempt uh but man that is that is about the best setup you can get for a bicycle kick uh and frankly like he probably needs to do a little bit better that i don't usually say he's got to do better there but like Ferrer has got to do better there <laughs> Like, what this is the surprise. one time I'll say it. Yeah. If if you're gonna be the the guy who's attempting the bicycle, that's the attempt you've gotta you've gotta connect there. And I'm not saying you've gotta like score it, but that needs to be like nailed at the goal. He hit it with his shin, he skied it over. He did. He jumped too late or or t- wait, too early? I don't know. No, it's just it's just poor I mean it's just poor timing i mean not even timing like it's just poor connection poor foot eye coordination right well shame on him he'll get he'll get another chance and then the the food truck is leaving so i think we may be in good audio shape from now <laughs> from now on it's mclean i've never heard of them before i'm more of a cisco not, guy. i'm nope. more of a cisco guy yeah of course yeah you're from the you're from the midwest just do not edit out my 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 Paul, or I'm sorry, my Ferreira criticism on his bicycle kick that needs to that needs to be a, a staple of this. Okay, I definitely am not going to edit that out. Um, Forty. So in, deep into first half stoppage time, there's a, a second penalty against Godoy. You've all seen it. This time he puts his far, forearm into Miles Robinson's face and neck on a set piece, and um, Pulisic hits side netting to the right, beating Mejia. Even though the goalkeeper guessed correctly which side he was going to. I mean, I, I've heard people say this was a soft penalty and I just, I don't, I don't think it probably was. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> I, you just shouldn't. I hope our players don't do that. That's not something you do and then complain that you got called for a soft penalty. Uh, and I, I'll, that's like my one VAR, like hope is that VAR actually cracks down on that kind of thing more often. Uh, because I feel like that's the easiest way possible to get defenders to stop wrestling everyone to the ground on set pieces. And I feel like the more freedom of movement attackers have, the more exciting the product of soccer will be. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I, I don't 
entertain any of those complaints. I'm just like, no, don't grab people. There's a camera watching you that's will that's ready to call fouls. Like, what do you expect to happen here? It's four, and now it's it's four zero, and it really did feel like, is this real? Is this really happening? <laughs> well, this this is where we got into. I mean, at two zero, we were like, yes, we did it. We beat Panama. At three zero, it's like, whoa, this is awesome celebration. At four zero, it's like. We are now unreachable from Costa Rica at Costa Rica. They can't make up this goal difference. Yeah. And we kept our four goal goal difference, uh, obviously, by full time. Uh, f- so at the half, Reina comes on for Paul Areola and Acosta comes on for Musa, who gets much deserved rest. He did. I, we didn't even mention him. I, he looked tired, I thought. And, you know, he did. He did well with the. Uh, with the minutes he had, but he, he was not a highly influential player. I don't think it, it's, it's one of those where it's tough to tell. I feel like he did control the space that he was in, uh, which I, I bring that up because I feel like later in the second half, we'll talk about someone who didn't control the space as well. Yeah, no, that's true. I just mean, he's, he wasn't, you know, heavily involved in a lot of chance creation, I guess is a more precise way to say what I'm saying. All right, but he was part of that little uh, fun triangle of of death instead of the horseshoe of death. Like this is a triangle of death that causes death for the opponent uh, on that Ferreira goal, where we were just pinging it around until we hit Shaq more behind. That's true, and I noticed he did he did uh, like a subtle little uh, something subtly kind of nice to to play that pass to to Luca Della Torre. Like he had to he had to like side foot it in a certain way at a certain angle just to just to get it into him. He did. There was a lot of good subtlety there because then Luca's. I, mean, I know we're backtracking, but then Luca had a little subtle uh, double touch. Yes, to to buy the time and create a tiny little change in the angle for him to hit Shaq Morin. Exactly. If he tried to do it with his left foot, uh, I don't think it gets through. So he drags it from his left to his right and then pops it through, like kind of in one motion. Rondo Merchant. He's he's a Rondo Merchant. <laughs> That's I love that stuff. So immediately after the half, uh, Gio Reyna gets a big chance. Does a does a quick little give and go with Jesus Ferreira. Um, Ferreira springs him with a looping return pass, and Reyna is in on goal. He drags it wide left, kind of scuffs it. Honestly, he did. Yep, he, he, uh, he. It was a scuff more than a drag, and it was it was a brilliant uh, connection with Ferreira. Uh, once again, we left like their left back was nowhere to be seen. Um, it's because we had just stolen the ball from Panama. They'd gotten like spread out to try to play and it's four zero and they probably have not, they don't care anymore, but they did kind of spread out and Ferreira snuck in from behind with Luca De La Torre to, to steal that thing. Mm. Uh, and they, ne- Panama never got their shape back. So it was one of those again, where it shows how important it is to attack before a defense can get organ this can get organized. And then you have to re disorganize them. Uh, and I think that was a, a bit of a trend as well. And I'm hoping that continues that we keep hitting teams before they are organized. Also just like Gio Reyna just, just oozed quality in this game. I mean, he kind of does all the time, but it just, it really showed in this game that he's can kind of do whatever he wants out there, obviously within some limits, but I can't wait to see him at full strength and, uh, you know, doing what he wants for 90 minutes. Panama again a little bit on the front foot in the second half. I mean, the game felt like it was over, but I, I don't know. S- still Panama looking pretty good. And then they get that 
gorgeous through ball from Eric Davis to Blackburn. Stefan gets kind of caught in no man's land as Blackburn pulls it back. But Tyler Adams rides the rescue and blocks the shot. I think it was from either Murillo or Godoy. I can't remember. Yeah, and this one was a full Stefan walkabout. And and at this at this point, like I know I got the first one where I was off, but then the dropped uh cross that he had in the first half. And then this, like we just saw him do this for Man City, right? The guy doesn't play in that many games. So it's strange how often he finds himself like vacating the goal and then having the opponent shoot the ball at that vacated goal. Like that's not something that happens to goalkeepers very often. Generally, even keepers who are playing every weekend. So it is strange that Stefan has so many of these on his highlight reel for how little he plays to the point where I have no idea at this point, like how we can really consider him our number one, if that's what he is. Like it's got to be, it's, we got to be getting to the point where he's, he, you got to consider that a bit of a liability. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I generally defer to you on most things. I'm going to really defer to you on this. Like, I don't, uh, I, I'm going to retweet whatever you say about <laughs> the goalkeeper. It's just, it's just at the point now where this is like a big deal. He did it in that, like, uh, it was it the FA Cup semifinal last year uh, to, against Chelsea, where he, suddenly Chelsea's just scoring in an open goal. He left the goal wide open against Honduras a couple of weeks later in the Nations League. Like, this is just a strange thing that is happening a lot. It's just a, it's like a, it's a judgment thing, right? It's a, it's a decision-making thing. Yeah, it's, it's when to go. And so uh, you, I think you and Vince and Waki talked about it on the last one where he came out in that Man City game and got to the ball but didn't collapse on it. And I saw people like defending that and saying, well, he couldn't collapse because the, def- the attacker got there and it would have been him going through his legs. But all that does is shift the mistake then. So then the mistake isn't that he didn't go on the ball. It's that he went at all. Like you don't go if you can't beat the attacker to the ball. So right. he didn't need to go out there to stop. Like he was out defending on the end line. You don't need to be out there, Zach. Like you can just stay in your goal and let some of those other fellows in the same color shirt as you go do that work, and you protect the goal because you're allowed to use your hands. Like that's the whole, that's the whole gimmick for a goalkeeper. <laughs> now I know there's I know there's value to being able to be keeper sweeper, but that value is instantly like flipped on its head if you constantly fail at the sweep part and leave your goal open for the attack. Yeah, somebody was saying that if like. I think it was on the Paul and Sam's episode. The word from the men's national team camp is that he is Stefan's the number one by a wide margin at this point. Yep. I'd heard that too. I just, I don't, I don't see what it is. Cause it's definitely not like the stats. The stats aren't helping him cause he doesn't really rack any up. And the ones he did rack up for uh, Dusseldorf in Germany and for Columbus and MLS were not very flattering for him. So then I also don't know how it's the eye test because again, what we're seeing on the eye test are like some really big mistakes. And even like the possession side, the distribution side, he had some big, like questionable decisions on those in Mexico. And then again, in this game. So I'm not sure exactly what it is that would make him the far and away number one, but that seems to be what it is. So that's what, that's what we'll have. All right. To positive stuff, back to positive stuff in the 57th minute, we get uh Reyna driving and playing a slip pass to an onrushing Pulisic. So, down the left channel, Pulisic's running in from from wide, and uh, this is this was a pretty big chance. Mejia comes out, yep. and Pulisic tries to um, clip it across to Ferreira. I think that's what he was trying to do. I don't know. Was he trying to shoot? Maybe 
First time I saw it, I thought he was shooting because he missed the pass by kind of a lot. But I think on replay, I do think he was trying to pass it. And I think he just missed. Well, yeah, I thought maybe he was passing it to the only place he thought he could because there's a defender between him and Ferreira, a little bit between him and Ferreira. I don't know. Um, but it takes Ferreira way down, way like wide of the goal. And then Ferreira, but, you know, Ferreira maybe could have still shot from that angle. I don't know. But he, what he did is pass it back across the face of goal or maybe shoot. I don't know. What do you think he was trying to do there? I think he's cutting it back just because he actually hits it back away, like literally back away from the goal. Okay. I think if he's shooting and he misses, it ends up going out of bounds at the near post would just be my guess. And then it just gets cleared. It just gets cleared from there. There's Pulisic isn't in that spot. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, do the forensics to figure out what, where Pulisic where Pulisic ended up at the end of the play. Did he you? was just behind the defender who cleared it okay. from Ferreira when Ferreira sent it across. Uh, so I'll, I'll use this to, to sort of use uh, to talk about Pulisic overall, if that's okay. Uh, I kind of felt it was similar to what the, the U.S. discussion is. Like the U.S. was, everyone's talking about the U.S. just having this incredible performance. And it was like a pretty good performance. And then the goals just outweighed everything. Like for me, that's kind of what the Pulisic night was. I didn't think he was like transcendent. We'll get to the goal in a little bit, and the goal is transcendent as, like, the goal's outrageous. Yeah, it's, it's so like one good. of the best goals I've ever seen a national team player score. And if we're just talking about that goal, there are there are no adjectives you can use that are unearned. But his overall performance, I didn't think was anything particularly like outstanding. And I'm not trying again. I'm not trying to just be contrarian here. Like he missed a couple of those chances. Like he missed that ball into Ferreira. He missed kind of misplayed another one. Uh, into Anthony Robinson or in the first half. Like there were just th- like nearly dangerous plays that we just missed on. He wasn't bad, of course. No. But it wasn't like, oh man, everything he is doing is gold right now. No, he I just I, scored two penalties and scored that outrageous goal for the hat trick. Yep. I mean, he, he also, you know, he helped set up the Areola chance, which, you know, is just him passing it backwards to Robinson. So, but I think, I think what people are most excited about is him, like this sort of like, Pulisic taking charge kind of narrative and I don't know that that's totally wrong you know it's good to see him uh it's good to see him step up and like put those penalties away without much you know without much fuss at all and then you know he's as Waki pointed out in a video earlier today he's he was mean on the field Which is not normal for him, you know. I mean, that is a, that. Waki says he deadpans it like this is a major development. It actually is kind of a major development to see Pulisic getting in a Donny Brook at, at midfield and, um, like being kind of petulant. He's. I don't think I've ever seen him be like that in a game like this, like being the instigator. Yeah. No. I. I think you're right. I think those are real things. I think the fact that he was like the captain, he is. You know, I. I do think those things probably matter for how you how you evaluate. You know, this game and, and you can also compare it to the games past at home where he hasn't been very effective at all. Like he's actually kind of been like uh, kind of like a net negative just with his decisions and his dribbling and his yeah uh, almost being like dead ends at time. And he wasn't that like there was no way you would look at it and say, oh, he was a dead end for the ball tonight. It was things that just didn't quite come off uh, when it when it wasn't on. And then and then obviously, you know, you do have the goal that is just it is yeah worth, th- worth its own entry in. In the, into the discussion. <laughs> it's on entry in the what? In the... I mean, it's in the pantheon of U.S. goals. <laughs> but, 
But but again, even if that was the only thing he, even if that was the only time he'd even touched the ball in this game, like that puts him as that's man of the match stuff. Yeah, it was so so. Good. We will get to it. Just just a second. Just a second. And I and I want to return to that question of like whether it was a good performance, like it was, whether it was a transcendent performance from Pulisic, because I do more or less agree with you on on it. Um. Anyway, in the right at the six sixty minute mark, we get another lovely pass from Gio. This one lovelier than the first. He's just he's just sauntering across zone fourteen with a guy a defender on his back, like just totally secure in the knowledge that nobody can take the ball from him, and then. He plays this no-look pass to uh, De La Torre, who's in a little pocket of space just inside the box. And it, you know, it's, it's gorgeous the way, he d- the way he did that. I mean, just zips it across the grass to him. And uh, Luca De La Torre opens up and then squares it for Ferreira right in, the, right in XG land. And it, um, he hits it over the bar. And I'm going to file that away in my private cache of <laughs> memories and biases. I, I think I said I said for he's gonna miss sitters probably against Panama. Uh no, I think it's I think it's perfect that you used the word saunter uh for Geo the way you started that description uh across the top of the box because that's that's like literally exactly what it was. And it wasn't just uh you know, it wasn't him going unchallenged. It was this was coming off of a set piece and Panama had kind of cleared it and Adams kept it in and went back to Geo and Panama came out to meet him and a guy actually like met him with like a stiff arm like a hand check and and geo just like batted the guy away so that the defender actually bounced off geo rather than him knocking geo off the ball and so then at that point he did just cruise across the top of the box like completely uh untouched unbothered and it's such like a contrast between some of the other players that we have who might get little brothered in that scenario where they either immediately get knocked off the ball or you know they're forced to put their head down and ride the challenge and dribble backward until they can find a release valve. And instead, Geo gets to like push the defender away, keep his eyes downfield, yeah. like a good quarterback. And and again, recognize that Panama is still disorganized. So because he can do this, and we don't have to recycle and let Panama reset, once again, they don't have a left back. Like their left back is just not in the picture. Eric Davis or whoever it would be at this point is not there. And there's this giant gap that Luca De La Torre has set up in. And that's how he hits this awesome no-look pass. Uh, and that's what creates this great chance for Jesus Ferreira. So it is a huge like, skill of Gio Reyna's to just be totally unbothered by these physical challenges. Yeah, and you, you know, it, was, it was a big gap for sure. But it was also um, the window to pass into was pretty small. So he had to not, he kind of had to be, make it be a no-look pass, you know. I mean, the the nearest defender I can't remember who it was. You know, it it was it was just out of his reach. By the time he realized the ball was being hit in that spot, um, very sexy and a, and a good decision from Ferreira just to just to put it right in that prime scoring position. You're saying from Luca, right? Is it, who did I say, Ferreira? Yeah, you said Ferreira. Yeah. Ferreira's the one who botched it. Yeah. And and again, this goes back to like, uh. We we can just sort of repeat every every time we record. Uh, no one who plays soccer converts all of their chances. So this is me defending Ferreira instead of defending someone else. This is me defending all strikers who miss chances, including Pivac in, against Mexico. They will always keep missing chances. They will also make a lot of chances, including very similar ones to the ones that they've missed. That's how it works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
I think I think we're getting there on that discourse. I think we're making some progress. Yeah, I think there was there was like a pretty unfair tweet about you on that front. That was just like a I don't know, not a didn't seem like a good faith reading of the moment. But um, but I think that highlighted that most. I think most people are kind of getting the sort of gra- like grasping it. I don't mean like that. It's people weren't like figuring out before, but there is, there is sort of that sense of like, if you had to pick one player to convert this chance, you know, who would it be? And it's like, we don't have any sense of which of those players it would be for us. Like they will all be equally likely to convert the chance or not who will be in the right spot to convert the chance. That's sort of the question I want to ask. Yeah. Okay. It, and, and like the latest, in the latest edition of bells needs to do better with his life. Um, I, I was so, I was so annoyed by that tweet that I made a mental note of everybody who liked it. And I, and I, and I, and I ran into one of those people yesterday and lashed out and lashed out at him in person. And then I apologized. I apologized, but it was my, it was my one bad moment of the day. A one of just a handful of bad moments, I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing that's an amazing uh he introduced amazing, himself and immediately i was like oh you're one of the people who liked that tweet <laughs> you think you think velasquez was happy that pivok missed that chance that would have beaten mexico at the azteca <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh aaron long came on at the hour mark for miles worth noting that his you know him getting back on the field and and then Here's the goal. Uh, for me, the nicest goal of the of the qualifying cycle. Maybe I don't know. Maybe my favorite goal. What, what's what's in it's competition? Up it's up what's there. in competition? I mean, some goals. It's, I mean, it's not a goal at a World Cup, so it's like it loses right. that battle. But 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 just the the sheer like uh, the poetry of it is just I think is unmatched. I'm, again, I'm trying to think of goals from U.S. players in U.S. uniforms that that match that level of grace and just like it's every every single part of that goal was amazing all right go ahead take us through it well it starts we will we'll have to brainstorm maybe that'll be that'll maybe uh the tuesday review or the wednesday review from you fellows can figure out what better goals there have been yeah um it's so it's reina bringing down a zimmerman header at midfield and quickly tapping it to Luca De La Torre, who races past a guy and taps it wide to Anthony. So again, there's just a fluid quality to the soccer when those two are playing together, it seems like. Luca and Gio. Yeah. Yeah, because this is one of those Luca first touches that is just fantastic. Like it's uh it's not a it's not a gimme touch. It's not like an obvious touch to make that we would expect everyone who has played for us to make that like touch to eliminate that first man and create this runway to run downhill. He t- touched it with the instep really, of his right really good, foot. Good was it the instep of his right foot that he touched it with? Man, I don't know now. Okay. But it was just like the. It's one of those where he almost like because of his his execution here, he invites the Panama player to un to run himself just out of position to then beat him and be off mm-hmm. to the races. Yeah, and 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 then he he taps it wide to Anthony. Anthony plays it back to him, and he plays it back to Anthony. And Anthony again hits like what. You know, he gets in this situation a lot. He hits a lot of crosses in a game. Usually they don't result in a goal, but the one the one he played to Ariola did because of like a very fine headed finish from Paul Ariola. And this one, 
is taken down. It's about waist high. It gets to about waist high. By the time it gets to Pulisic, it's probably like, you know, thigh high. He brings it down with the inside of his left foot and Megs himself as he does it. <laughs> and now, I don't know that he, amazing. I, did he mean to do it like that? I don't know. Probably not, but there's a chance he did. This is one where I think even trying to say that he like would have scripted the whole thing is unnecessary. It might even take away from actually the, the beauty of it because of how like how well he reacts to every single thing that happens in this fraction, like these fractions of seconds. Well, in any case, the, the touch is the touch sets him up uh, heading towards goal as he turns towards the goal. As he as he pirouettes. Yeah, it's not even a turn. It, this is a pirouette. Right. And and as he's as he's turning to goal, Andres Andrade, the center back, the young center back, is is you know running at him, and he just takes the slightest little touch with the outside of his right boot to push the ball down and through Andrade's legs, and um, that's called a nutmeg, and and uh, and then uh, tucks it in side netting, the inside of his right foot. It's a beautiful goal. I, you guys all know that. But it needed a description. And uh, it, it, again, going back to the Anthony ball in, this is another situation where Panama should have felt okay about the fact that they got back. Like Luca beat our man and so we're running at him. Uh, but they stopped, they stopped Luca, made him go backwards back to Anthony. Um, like Panama had numbers back. I think when this ball went in, I think this time it was legitimately two on five. Panama had three deep plus two stacked on top of them. They were in fine position to defend. And this is just Pulisic doing a bit of like, demigod stuff yeah that's a good way to put it it was so nasty and i think and i think because it was so nasty and he scored two other goals and he you know seemed to play with like a fire that we haven't always seen from him that's why people are talking about it being a transcendent performance from him you know yeah, I'll, I'll actually retract. I'll give it that. And again, even just to give him more credit for like the decision making was much better than what we've what we've been accustomed to in some of these qualifying games, which, again, is enough for me to be like, that's a, between that marked improvement plus the goal plus the I mean, he still converts the penalties. Uh, yeah, I'm willing to say that this is this is a pool of sick is back moment for sure. <laughs> I do. I do think uh, people are forgetting that. Tim Weah exists and was our um, best attacker for, you know, seven tenths of qualifying so far. I'm just thinking of all, all the podcasts I listen to. And like, I don't know that his name ever came up. He, he has been our most dangerous player uh, throughout the qualifying cycle. It's uh, it sets up like before it was kind of like a question. Well, what's Raina going to look like when he gets back? and and then it was like, because if, if Pulisic is playing like he has been, then it, are Reyna and Wea the guys? And now it's very much a different question. <laughs> if Pulisic is playing in this mode and Reyna looks like Reyna looks and Wea is giving us what Wea has given us, uh, now what do we do? Yeah. Put Reyna in midfield or I don't, I guess, I don't know. That's what the summer's for. Um. Morris comes on for Pulisic and Busio for Adams. And really the, the last 20 minutes of the game were, uh, we were just content to let Panama have the ball for most of that period of time. 
Um, and to borrow a Gregism, our pitch control started to suffer uh, immediately when Busio came on. He, I, I noticed it uh, in the 72nd minute, he tiptoed into a challenge. Or he, like, you know, it's, it's tough to say you should have won this challenge, but this was a challenge he should have won. Like the ball, the guy took a loose touch right in front of Busio and he just, he managed to be just timid enough to not get the ball. And then, um, and then he couldn't bother the guy as, as he was driving into the box and laid it off for a teammate. It might've been Eric Davis again that I'm thinking of, but, um, so that's a, that's a bit of data, I think on Busio sort of confirms what we've already know about him it's definitely something that i'm waiting for him to sort of like overcome and i and i mean like show us that like no he can he can take this space and make it his uh defensively playing against the ball uh so i'm hoping that we maybe get to see that a little bit in costa rica this week i i'm not hoping for that but well i want to be proven wrong i want to i wanted to just have like a master class of like savvy box like central midfield control where he does up a bunch of these grown-ups to play for Costa Rica and just looks completely in control of the of the field. Cuz he even in this little cameo, he looks good on the ball. He's um he's uh he's got quality and he's pretty clever. But yeah, against the ball, he's too easy to play path, play through and past. And and again, the the context here is we do have we do have the, a bit of the five O's about us at this point. So it's like we are Yeah, that's true. We are it's a, absolutely an exercise in just going through the motions for everyone on the field. It shouldn't be because, like, some of these guys, Long, Buzio, Morris, need to kind of prove that they can play because they, they have to know that they're, like, at best right there on the fringes. Right, yeah, I don't understand that why it would be a going through the motions thing for him at that point. Like, he's, he's, he's got to know. And so I don't know if that's true because he's got to know that a World Cup spot is – you know, hanging in the balance here. Right. Cause he, he has, to, he, he's got to look at it and say, okay, Luca's ahead of me. <laughs> like based on what has happened in the last couple of games, I got to be, I'm going to have to either like do something to beat this guy or I, I, there's only one center midfield spot left for me to fight for. Right. Uh, so I should say at least everyone else on the field, like is probably going through the motions at this point. Panama's still trying to score. I mean, they were, they were, um, they were coming at us. Uh, we got a, a decent effort from Gio Reyna at the top of the box. He tries to he tried to kind of finesse it. Um, it's, it comes after a giveaway to Ferreira. Ferreira kind of slow walks it again, waiting for people to join him, and then squares it to Reyna. Takes a touch and tries to um, curl it somewhere in the in the goal, and it just goes over. Uh, Eighty six minute, we Costa gets a little sloppy and gives it away in our half. Long gets whistled for a foul on Quintero, trying to run him down. Um, and on the ensuing free kick, Eric Davis shapes yet another dangerous ball into the box, and Anibal Godoy uh, glances at home. I, I can't imagine that Panamanian fans would say that he redeemed himself in this moment, but he did, uh, he did score a goal. It was a nice goal. I think Zimmerman was marking him, but seemed of two minds about who he should be tracking because he he kind of seemed like he maybe felt responsible for another guy too, and he lost track of Godoy before the ball arrived. Yeah, that's that's what I kept trying to figure out on the rewatch too, and had a hard time doing it, figuring out who was attached to who. Uh, no notes for Stefan. There was nothing he was going to do on this. No. One. 
All right, we're getting close to the end here, guys. Uh, Reina had a little spat with Gabby Torres that I didn't fully understand. But you're glad of that. <laughs> I mean, what a cocky kid he is. Uh, and with good reason. Uh, the haircut, right? The haircut came in. So I, I jumped back into the game right as it was starting from the second half and see Jesus Ferrer spring a guy like 30 seconds in. And I'm like, how in the world is James Sands playing <laughs> right half space <laughs> Because I swear Sands wore number 11, or I at least think that he wore number 11. Did he? I'm not going to find out if he ever did for the U.S. Uh, and he had the James Sands haircut. And I was like, holy Lord, we are really getting getting fun with this 4-0 lead. I thought it was James Sands. I thought, thought James Sands was in on goal. Yeah, I mean, Reyna had like sort of a classic, you know, rich kid haircut. And now he's now he looks like a Marine. <laughs> A, a Marine at boot camp and um, 91 uh, in the 92nd minute, Shaq Moore started clutching at his hamstrings a little bit after a couple long clearances. I mentioned that because we are going to talk about the coast. Like what, what I want to talk about who I want to see play against Costa Rica. And I kind of want to see Shaq Moore deputize at left back on Wednesday. If that's in the cards and um, seeing him clutch his hamstrings, Made me nervous. I get. I haven't heard anything about him actually being injured. Have you? No, I haven't. But he was definitely like out of the play, as was Jesus Ferreira for the last five or six minutes. Where again, it's five one, and there Ferreira spent the last five minutes just stretching on the field. <laughs> and then I guess we should mention we rolled out the qualified banner and then rolled it back up. <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna need a behind the the crest on how that all went down. Like who brought it out to the field, and I think it was I think it was Dewey, right? Dewey, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> historical reference. Good. <laughs> I'm I'm smart. Um, or yeah, I mean it, it did have sh- sh- it does have shades of the mission accomplished banner and on the aircraft carrier, but not really. We did basically qualify. It's just you can't quite say it yet. Um, yeah, I think, I think as people pointed out, we would have to lose six zero. We have conceded eight goals through the first 13 games of qualifying. It's a, it's a tall order for Costa Rica here. Also, we'll repeat what I'm sure all of our listeners would have already seen. Costa Rica are, have like eight or nine players on yellows throughout the qualifying campaign who, if they pick up a yellow against the U S and still just finish fourth and don't overcome that goal difference, which they won't do. Those players would be suspended for the playoff against the Oceana side, which is nuts. But that's a that has to like factor into some of their decision making. Yeah, what's the what is what are they going to do? They're going to just they're just going to sort of throw the game, basically. I mean, no, it'll be another one of it's, it'll be a weird exercise, right? Like it's going to be this weird thing where it is essentially a dead rubber, even though technically it's not. Because I I just don't think they'll be so unconventional as to run out like an all out attack lineup, even though that's what like the, the situation demands. Like the only way you can do anything is to win this game six zero. Otherwise losing 10 zero is the same as winning five zero. So you have to win by six, but no team will ever play like that. Cause it's just too weird yeah. to do that. And honestly, if they did try to beat us six zero or 10 zero, <laughs> We it's that's not how they play. That's not how they know how to play, right? I mean, they can't. They, they, we would probably end up winning if they did that, right? 
Right. That's what I mean. If they go all out attack from the first whistle. As though they're losing by two goals, like, you know, in that scenario where you just send your goalkeeper up for every corner. Yeah. <laughs> like we would definitely end up scoring four goals on them. That makes me optimistic about that game. Um, and it'll be nice to it'll be nice to say finally be able to say we have qualified for the World Cup. Um, who would you like? And that we and that we got three points in Costa Rica, which is what's going to happen. You think so? I, don't know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, tactical manager asked me to predict, and I, you know, I didn't want to do that, but um, he said four zero, and I was like, sure, you know, that sounds reasonable. For us to lose four. No, for the, he asked me to predict the the Panama game before it started. I said, sure, four, nah. four zero sounds reasonable. I saw I saw Bob Morocco threw out a what I actually love and would be willing to get into. I hate predictions, but he threw out the, his XG prediction, which I'm like, oh, I'll do that from now on. Huh. Yeah. Not for Costa Rica because that this game's going to be a mess. Well, let's talk about the starting lineup for this game. I. And I'll I'll just give mine, and then you can if you want to give one, you can. If you don't, if you don't, then you don't need to. Uh, Zach Steffen in goal, I think, is what's going to happen. Doesn't doesn't really matter what I think about the goalkeeper situation. And then Yedlin, Zimmerman, and Miles, and Shaq Moore uh, across the back line, uh, assuming Shaq's hamstrings are okay. Um, I think he and I think he and Anthony Robinson can can platoon it. You know, each take a half. And then um, Kellen Acosta. You remember, you remember George Bellows in camp. I'm just checking. You're just like, you don't, you'd rather not see Bellow. I guess hearing you talk about how there's just really, there's just no feasible way for this game to end in a 6-0 win for Costa Rica. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? Oh, that, that, that for that, me was like, oh, that, that's why you throw Bellow. Right, no, so that, I'm going to say that sways me a little bit. I made this lineup before I, I heard you say that. Oh, so, so you're, you're actually building a lineup to prevent Costa Rica from getting that sixth goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I okay. mean, if, All right. if, if anybody's going to like make mistakes that lead to goals, it's probably George Bellow, right? All right, that is fair. Um, or Zach Steffen. So, <laughs> so it doesn't, but, but if it doesn't matter, then yeah, let George Bellow you know let us get some data on the young get him, man give him the second half get bell the second half we're not writing off george bellow by the way he's he's a 19 year old is he 19 20 year old soccer player he's no he's got a future of soccer ahead of him. absolutely uh i mean he's already playing in the bundesliga he's a right. he's a he's a soccer success um but our national team is getting better all the time so there's there's two things uh, things can be two things. Uh Kellen Acosta at the 6, Yunus Musa and Luca Della Torre at the 8s. Um I think Musa having come off at the half can probably start this game. And then you know do you not agree with that? I hate it. I want him I want him to just be on ice. Okay. Tim <laughs> and then Tim Wea uh if Ferreras you want Ferrera on ice too or you want him back in the 11? No, I'm icing for her too. This is Pepe's game. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say way up Pepe and Reyna across the front line. I think that'd be a fun game to watch. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm way too cautious. I'm just way too cautious of a, of a person here. I'm like, no, keep Reyna for the second half again. Just no reason to test him for 60. It's not like we need to see if he can go 60 here so that three months from now we can do it. And it's like three months from now, 
of course he'll be fine, you know, if he's healthy. So we don't need to like see if he's got 60 minutes in him. I want him to play 45 max. Okay. So you've got Ariola starting the game. Either Ariola or Morris or Ariola or throw Christian Roldan in. Doesn't matter to me, but Wea and one of those one of those three guys, Ariola, Morris or Roldan. Give me Ariola. Give me Ariola. I'm I'm very much in like this is an exhibition. So <laughs> we we won't concede six with any of those guys on the field. So uh if Ariola's healthy, the, the report was he came off at half, not necessarily as like a pre-planned Reina for Ariola situation, but because he had like a minor issue. Okay. What do you do? You, so you want, you don't want Musa in the 11. Who do you want? You want, so you want it to be Busio. You want Busio and Bello on the field? I've got, I've got Sands, Luca, Busio as my midfield three. <laughs> you see where I am with this game. You're like suddenly six, six goals have been played the last <laughs> was that, that You want to, you want to win, you want to lose four to zero and qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> I think someone was saying that if we lose four to zero, that opens the door for Mexico to finish fifth. Huh. If Mexico loses bad in their last game, Costa Rica could actually jump Mexico. Which Mexico's not, not going to f- do. Not, not fifth, I'm sorry. Mexico would finish fourth. E- the, the one through four spots are locked up. Panama can not finish higher than fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would put Mexico fourth. They're not going to lose to El Salvador in Mexico <laughs> City, I don't think. All right. I, hey, let's talk a little bit before we go about just about what this, you know, since the, since the qualifying cycle is, you know, more or less over. I mean, it feels more over to me now that I'm, that you're talking about running a, running a Sans, well, yeah, Sans Luca <laughs> Busio midfield. Now it's really tell, starting to feel it's, over. It's all over, but the, it's over, but the dancing for me. Yeah. Um, what do you, th- what do you think of Burhalter now? Do you, do you feel, um, I'm feeling better about him. I mean, I just I just needed him to to qualify us for the World Cup. But yeah, and and I you know, throughout all of this, I don't think we ever were like we probably aren't going to qualify for the World Cup now. It was always like we keep squandering like more and more of our cushion in some of these in some of these moments. And I think that that's about what happened. And then, you know, we get to the last window and we get that result against Mexico which preserves just the tiniest sliver of cushion to then win the Panama game to avoid, we basically won a game to avoid a must win game against Costa Rica away. So I feel like that is like, that is the narrowest cushion that we had to not have to get a result at Costa Rica where we've never gotten a result. So this is like, (laughs) we did just enough to do this, like in the most minimally comfortable way possible, which is not terrible. Uh, but it was it didn't feel like it was any kind of change from any of the non two thousand eighteen cycles. Yeah, but I guess like in terms of the way we play, you know, changing the way the world views American soccer, it does seem to me like we we're playing like we're reliably playing pretty good soccer now. We're defensively pretty sound. We I mean we've 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 got more X GD, that's goal differential, ex- expected goals differential than Mexico or Canada in, in qualifying. So like we're, we're, we're putting the chances together. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a really, it's a young team. And I know that that was used as sort of an excuse at the beginning in some ways, but 
it is young. It is a young team, and it is a, is a lot of players who hadn't played together very much. They'd all been playing together in our minds, you know, for years, <laughs> but not really having played together much. And now, and now it's a it's a pretty consistent, reliably pretty good product on the field. Um, even away in in Mexico City, it was pretty good, you know. So I'm I don't know I'm feeling higher on him and not just because we qualified I'm just saying like this is a, yet another example of a of a pretty good a pretty good performance that we can sort of expect at this point. Yeah, to the, like like uh, I just said earlier, we we had we ran off six straight good home games, like very good home games after the Canada game, and it's not just like we did little tweaks. We we jettisoned some players from that Canada eleven uh, from that home game in Nashville, and. Since then, we've been very good at home, and then we've we've kind of had some intermixed road games. The Mexico the Mexico away game was probably the best away game we have of the cycle in my mind. Like I don't think it's even close. Yeah. So for me, it, it's a matter of like what was com what was common in some of our good well, games was that we got to play against the ball. You think it? You think it was way better than the win at Honduras? Oh yeah, way better. <laughs> Like that Honduras game was a was a like a real messy game overall. Even the second half was kind of just like messy. Uh, like the Mexico game felt like we were controlling things. Honduras felt just like an out of control situation for a long time. Yeah. What was that last point you made before before I interrupted you with that? Oh, just question. one of the common themes is that we've been sort of at our best when we can play against the ball a little bit. And now that, that's, you know, the Mexico game in Mexico city, we get to play against the ball. Uh, even in that Panama game, like Carlin showed, we had some real ability to play against the ball and that can create some chances for us uh, to attack quickly. I think that sets us up fairly well for a world cup type tournament to be defensively stout and have the ability to play against the ball. There's this lingering doubt I have, and it goes back to the Switzerland game that like actually competent teams will carve us up even as we think we're good at playing against the ball. Mm. Yeah. But that's not, that's not going to be like a Burhalter issue. Like at some point we're just going to run into teams that are going to be like, Oh, you guys are pretty good, but you are really young. You are a little green. Uh, you're not that great. Like you have some good players, but we all have champions league players too. You're not unique in that sense. And we know how to kind of just do you up. Yeah. Well, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. I'm good well, for that. Again, I I think we're just going to be celebrating for nine months, getting getting ready for this tournament. Yeah, totally. And um, thanks again to everybody who came to the tailgate. I'll say here we are a listener supported podcast, so if you uh, if you are able, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We appreciate it a lot. Anything else, Greg? No, we we uh, I think we'll have the full full wrap up after the actual official last game of the cycle. Yeah, and I'll be doing it from my house instead of a car, and uh, and I think we'll things will things will slow down a little bit for us. And I you know we'll we got we'll have a lot of good episodes coming in the next few weeks. Um, Greg, thank you. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you. <laughs>